Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most informational, educational, and entertaining podcast for auto detailers. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints of Polishing Podcast. My name is Marshall Hill, and I'm your guide as we journey through the auto detailing industry. You can find me at Total Auto Solutions on most platforms. If you're on TikTok, find me at Detail Supply App, or if you want to text me, that's the best way to get in touch, 918-800-1188. And uh, I'm just going to let everybody else introduce themselves today. Nick, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, obviously, I'm here every week, Nick. Uh, you can find me at Vegas.rides on all platforms and email me at Nick at VegasRides.com. And I'm Alex uh, with Detail Solutions Podcast or Detail Solutions Auto Spa. Um, and if you follow most of these groups, you kind of know me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm Jackie Orlando, um, Detailing by Jackie. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook, and that's J-C-K-I, no E on the end of Jackie. I am Samantha and I am with Auto Aftershine Auto Spa and I'm from Daytona. All right, ladies, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I've been on a little journey myself, started in Jacksonville, did uh, some of our free pop-up training and uh, line launch. Then uh, we, uh, we had a really great time the other day at Market Firehouse and uh, very thankful for Alex that we uh, decided, hey, let's uh, let's get together on Monday. Let's go uh, go over the new line, go over the products, and uh, see if anybody wants to come out and join us. So, thank you, Jackie and Sam, for coming. And we had a couple other people that showed up too. They were well, they were had a lot of fun. Uh, Bella and Angelo, Bella and Angelo came out to see us, and awesome. Tony. Yeah, one of my team members, Tony, came by. All right. So what we wanted to do uh, in the in the different uh, training parts is really start to go over what uh, we're seeing in the industry that we've talked about for a little bit, how the industry is changing with coatings, things that are going on. Uh, the the thing, though, that I was asked the other day in a training that be super fun to talk about. Right. Remember, we'll put Alex on the spot first, but he won't have to go until Nick and I go. So no worries. No worries. You guys got a little time still. But we had the question that was asked to me. There was something in the industry that you would like to change. What would it be? Right. Nick, you want to go? I can go. That's All right. Fine. I know everybody else is a little bit, you know, listening and, and seeing what I want to say or you guys, you know, so they can get their answer. I get it. <laughs> I see you, Marty. I know you well enough, but uh, yeah, I'll go first. Uh, I think the thing that I would change is, is user experience with products. I mean, that's one of the big things to push with our company. Coding is the great example of this, right? Guys have been forced, uh, you know, companies have been forced to do things a certain way that's maybe not friendly to their business or their customer uh, through the coding business, which is, let's say you're a mobile person. Uh, let's say you're a new shop owner you can't really keep a car for multiple days a lot of times. And a lot of coding systems are forcing people into a lot of layers, maybe investing in IR lamps and things like that, and really not making the installation process as user-friendly as, as they could be. Uh, because we've kind of proved with, with our technology that you can make an installation process super simple. So I think the thing I would change right now is, 
for detailers to really look at their user experience on products as a huge selling point for them doing business with people. I like it. So my answer the other day, and I'm going to kind of do a twofold answer. My answer the other day was because it was kind of funny. Some people laughed and goes, Hey, well, he's kind of doing it. Right. So we looked over and I said, Hey, you know, you've got these cubes of plastic and I have a water bottle last 400 years. How long does industrial grade plastic last? And our industry just constantly tosses them out day after day, day after day. And so with HyperClean, uh, together we save movement. A lot of it, what I was trying to do and what I'm trying to change in the industry is our amount of waste. So that is definitely one thing. Uh, but I, I would say another that uh, we're seeing the change, um, something that, uh, you know, as over the years, as we started the podcast, as I've gone and been doing trainings out there, uh, Jason Rose, particularly when we did a training up there at, uh, at their location, he talked about how I pushed back on the norm of what seemed to be happening in the industry of where detailing was going. It became so boutique, became so critical on technique. Everything was pushed in a certain direction, which was great because the way the economy was, it allowed detailers to do more than we'd ever seen. But I stayed true to maintenance, stayed true to the way I grew my mobile business, the way I've grown the business overall, come from a car wash world, come from a car wash world. You know, we all do maintenance style detailing. And, and that's where I'm really excited about a lot of the industry. Almost there's some people say going back. Well, I say it's just kind of more of where we've always been. It's just going to keep rising to the top. You know, a lot of the stuff's going to start fading away. The longevity, all the five to seven year, all that stuff continue to go away. And more of your one, two, three, doing maintenance, servicing your customer and handling your customer on a regular basis is where I see the change coming. All right, Alex, you got it? You know what you got? Uh, maybe. So, Marty, you asked me this question when we had the podcast together on what would I change or what I would like to change in the industry. And it's kind of always stayed the same. I mean, I would like to see kind of the egos go away, um, kind of the bashing. You know, you get a lot of new people coming in and want to ask questions and things. And, you know, people either want to troll or just be negative or give bad information because they don't want somebody new to come in. And that's what I don't like to see. Um, that's why I like associating myself with the people that I do that are willing to help people um, reach out, give somebody, a, a, you know, somebody starting out a hand um, or help them out. So for me, it's, it's just, you know, get rid of the negativeness in this industry. There's a lot of good, there's a lot of great people in this industry. And, but at the same time, there's a lot of bashing and hate and, and just, you know, being negative towards one another. So Alex, do you think that that's possible? Like, do you, like, or is it, and then I'm, I mean, listen, I'm with you, right? Like I think most of us are right. would love it, but I think just to quit, how is it possible? Right. And then if so, how do you think we do it? How does that, how does that achieve itself? Unfortunately, I don't think it's possible just because of the way people are right. I mean, it's just people's nature to either, feel threatened by somebody else. So they want to put them down or make them feel lesser to make themselves feel better. Um, so I don't think it will be something that would ever happen, but maybe if enough people, you know, go to the good side, you know, stay to the helpful side, 
it will kind of not balance, but maybe give a little bit more towards everybody being helpful and productive for each other versus the negativeness. Well, and I think it- Alex, yeah, Alex hit on this because we had, we actually talked about this at the end of the podcast, Alex and I did together where I just said, you have a lot of old heads in this industry that have developed clicks. And the problem with that is, is that if you, if you don't buy into everything that someone's saying, then you don't like them. And so then it turns negative on you. Well, that's not, it's not really an open forum, right? So a lot of guys come in, they have an opinion. It's a valid opinion. They go into somebody's Facebook group or they say something on an Instagram post and all these people from one click start, attacking them. And it, it makes them very frustrated. You know, I, I hear from young guys all the time about this is like, they don't want to pay for a $5,000 training. So they're not going to be listened to. I mean, is that, is that where we want to be? Is that nobody's going to help anybody unless you believe a hundred percent on what, what somebody's selling. I, I don't, I'm with Alex. I, I think there's, I think that comes though, from that click nature, you know, have you paid to be a part of our group type nature? And unfortunately, I don't know when that's going to go away. If it's going to go away, Alex is probably right. It won't go away, but I think it's deep rooted in a lot of people that have been doing this a long time, trying to keep their piece of the pie and thinking that if somebody's doing this over here, they're going to take something from me. And that's just not how the economy works. It just doesn't work that way. It it really doesn't. So uh, the inclusion part of it, I think Alex makes a great point. I mean, it needs to be more inclusive and Marty, I think, you know, you do a job with that, with your podcast and the, and the community pub and Alex has his podcast. He tries to get a bunch of voices out there. So I, I think there are hopes out there, but I mean, you're never going to get rid of everything that's going on and the internet's just that kind of place, I think. Well, on the other side too, you know, I know pain assassins does its best to try and keep stuff as positive as possible, sending out awards and congratulating people and doing that type of stuff. There's definitely, though, as social media has, you know, from early parts to, you know, the where social media groups are today, there's no doubt that they just, you put that amount of people in a, in a small room, listen, we're always going to battle that, right? How, though, how do, right, Alex, how do you battle it if we, if we want to be the force for good, in a sense, if we want to be the ones that are saying we don't like it. And so we want to be a change in the industry. How do you think we go about doing that? Well, I think you just have to be positive, right? So, I mean, like take the, for example, the, the training we just did today at my shop, you know, I mean, between Jackie and Sam and, and two other people that rolled in are all in my area. Right. But I welcomed them with open arms. I gave them my, listen, this is how I do it. If it works for you, cool. If it doesn't cool, but it's getting over the, you know, listen, there's enough cars on the road for all of us. Right. And then some, you know, so stop worrying about if somebody is your competition, you know, down the road or something like that. Granted, I don't want somebody opening up right across the street from me or right next door to me. Like, you know, that I might be a little guarded on, but the guy who is a mile down the road or two miles down the road or across town, I'm going to help them as much as I can if they want it. Um, and that's where I think it comes from. Like, like people, just need to be helpful. Like the more we help everybody, it helps everybody, right? Because you never know, there might be 
like Jackie and I, we're part of a group here in Central Florida that we help each other out. Sometimes I can't do something, but Jackie might have an opening. So I'll shoot the client over to her. Or if she's got a client who needs something that's out of her ability, then she'll contact me or one of the other people in our group. And then she'll work with us to, you know, so it's, it's all hand in hand, helping each other out, helping each other grow, because you never know that person across town who you're helping out could then turn around and feed you business and help you out as well. For many of us though, that's not natural, right? Yeah, it's not. So, so what a couple like, let's just two tips, right? Like you're a positive guy. Not everybody's a positive thinking person. So two quick tips. How do you think that, that we could do that? Well, see, it's a little different for me, I think, right? Because like, so I just work with myself. It's just me. So I only want to take on so much work. So I'm not like greedy and like hungry, hungry hippo trying to like pull all the work into me because I don't want to work that much. So, you know, as far as like trying to be that way, I think it's just, you know, I think it comes from inside. You just have to be a positive person. If you're just negative and just hating the world and all that stuff, it's, you're never going to be right. But if you're positive person, you've got a, a good, you know, positive outlook on everything. I mean, most people, you know, always say that I have this IDGAF attitude, right? Because I'm just whatever, you know, whatever happens is going to happen kind of deal. Um, and, and that's, that's it. I mean, you know, like, I'm here to help anybody if they want to help. But if they don't, then whatever. And, and we don't have to be best friends. We don't have to be best buddies. We don't have to be compadres. But if you want to make the effort, I don't usually ever turn anybody away. I won't say, no, I'm not going to work with this person or I won't help this person or whatever. Um, I, I just feel like I have to pay it forward, right? When I started, nobody wanted to help me out here locally because they saw me as a threat. I had to go to the groups like Pain Assassins and things like that to learn how to do these things. So if those guys never helped me, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Marty, if you wouldn't have helped me when I wanted to start doing my podcast and I called you and asked you questions, you know, you could have been like, no, no, I don't want another detailing podcast out there. Like, so for me, it's all about paying it forward, right? Like I, if nobody had helped me, I wouldn't be where I am. So I want to help somebody get to where I am because, you know, Rennie Doyle says it a lot. It's the young guys coming up that are going to take our place. So why not help them out? I'm not going to be here forever another five, maybe 10 years, and then I'm out. So, you know, why not help somebody else? That's, that is interesting that you say that five to 10 more years, and then you're out. Uh, that, that is a question that I've asked around the industry. We don't see too many people that get up into older ages and are still running a detailed business. Well, it's, it's, I don't know for some of the other guys. I mean, I have some guys that, that listen on the podcast and message me who are older. They're doing it more as like a part-time, you know, just whatever. Right. But, but let me ask you this person, like when you think of percentage in the industry, right, the dominance and you know, you see it in your analytics, we see it in our analytics, right? It's 21 to 35, almost max. Right. And then we're, and then we're out. Yeah. So I, I do get that. That is true. 
for me, it's more of like, I'm not a spring chicken anymore, right? Like, I don't want to do this when I'm older. My goal is either to prove. Can I pause right there? Right. Nick, we've heard that quite. Why do you think people don't want to do it when they're older? It'll bang you up. I mean, it's, it just tears your body up. I mean, it's, that's why we advocate for people to understand it's a business. And if you're not going to grow past a certain point, you can't stay in this business. I mean, you just physically can't. We don't see that many guys get in, you know, 55 and they're still able to do it. You know, 50, you know, 45 guys really don't get to that age most of the time. So I think it's, you know, for me, a lot of times this is, this is the, the, the problem with the people that came before us is that they were so heavy technique and techniques great, but they never really built businesses. A lot of them never built big businesses went into training people about how to build a business that they never built. And so you got this, this rocky foundation of our industry where people have never really discussed how to build a business. Hey man, people love talking about correct and paint people love. I mean, that's great. But if you want this business to grow and you want your business to grow, that's going to be, it's going to be pretty, you know, pretty rare, you know, to just sit there and concentrate on correcting paint. You know, you got to start having real business sense, business conversations, and, you know, to go back to your original question, Marty, about what I would change, I, I would change a lot of what people have been told. You know, this is a business and it's no different than Amazon. It's no different. It's no different than a plumbing company. You can't sit there and concentrate on, you know, every little thing about technique. You got to start building your business. And that, that's one thing I think is a huge problem, honestly. All right, Sam. Okay, so I'm going to piggyback a little bit off what Alex says. As a woman, I do believe inclusion is a huge problem. Okay, help me understand what that is. Okay, so as a female, Jackie and I were talking about this earlier. Um, so we feel that we have to prove ourselves a hundred times harder than our male counterparts because we're female from the customer side and also from another detailer. I know from my personal experience, um, I remember reaching out to a detailer and I was just shot down and there was no help because they didn't take me very seriously. And I mean, that led me to meet other people later on that were more helpful that were totally like, no, like I welcome women. My best detailers were women. And so I feel that inclusion is a huge problem because um, not that we don't paint correct as well as you guys, but like we are pretty badass to like our interior jobs and stuff. And we kind of have our own niche. And so, because that's not at the forefront of detailing where everyone's like shiny paint, shiny paint, my thing is really interior. Like that's what I'm known for in my area. And I do really well, but I find that that doesn't get like talked about as much because it's not as pretty because it's not a shiny paint with a coating on it. Oh, so no one wants to talk about it. You know what I mean? But there's yeah. so much like, like what he just said, it's a business. And so at the end of the day, I'm thinking profitability. And when I think of profitability, how much paint can I correct? How many people care for me to paint, correct their car? But a lot of people are like, I don't care about the, the outside. I just want my inside to be immaculate. And so I carve my own niche by that. So in the industry, it's like, everyone's like, oh, but I want to, you know what I mean? Like they're all about shiny paint, but they forget the business side is like, dude, you got to make money too, to feed yourself and your family. And it's not just shiny cars. And I do wish that like, 
women, we were more included on the conversation in detailing. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, as far as, cause there's a lot of us out there who are into chemistry and stuff. Maybe we know more, we might be interested in like coding. How do you develop this product? How do you develop that product? You know what I mean? But it's a male dominant industry, which we understand, but you know, some of us do know a thing or two and like to be included on the conversation. Awesome. All right, what kind of what kind of conversations besides coatings? And I guess maybe let me ask you this: with regards to coatings, what conversation are you looking for? Um, I mean, just also our opinion. How do you think this coating perform? Do you find that it's user friendly? Like, I mean, some of the programs are kind of crazy to get into. Like, I don't feel like paying you three grand before I can use your product. That's kind of obscene. I'm if I'm new and just trying to introduce my area to coatings that's a huge upfront cost for me to do as a small business. Cause I'm not ready for that. I'm trying to get my clientele to get used to the product and kind of break it in. I don't want to pay that much. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I want to be able to give my opinion. Like, you know, I think this coding performs really well. This is what works in my area. Cause I'm by the salt. Not everyone is by the salt air. You know what I'm saying? So every coding does perform differently. Every product performs differently. So I do wish our opinion would matter just a little bit more just a well, little bit. as you know i've been on this this is one of the reasons i invested in a chemical company because she's exactly right detailers aren't listened to male or female i mean let's just be very frank about this i don't know a chemical company listening to detailers besides us i mean i'll say it straight out did it used to be different yeah that was kind of my beef is that you go back to barry mcguire who i would all i think everybody would probably agree was the most successful detailing person we've ever had he put everything through the professional market. I mean, everything. He listened to the pro. We don't do that anymore. She, 100% correct. I, I couldn't agree more with what was said because it's great to have somebody that's by the sea air. It's great that somebody is in the desert. It's great that somebody's in the humidity of the Midwest. We can listen to people. We can develop products off that. I think it's 100% correct. All right, Jackie. All right. She's been stalling. She's stalling. She's still stalling. We'll give her like two seconds. If she doesn't get it, we'll bounce on. But anything that's crossing your mind that you would like to see changed? I mean, when, you know, when Alex started talking, like there's that, that was one thing that I was thinking of before is like that there's a lot of negativity. And uh, I mean, I hate to like say, okay, the same thing that he said, but literally when he said it, I was like, damn, that was, what I was gonna say. <laughs> like, damn it. Um, but yeah, I feel like, and that kind of goes along with her, like saying the inclusion is like, it's a lot of people just assume that women don't necessarily know. Like she said, we have to prove ourselves a hundred times more because they just sort of assume that like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's, there's a lot of frustrating elements of that. Um, and I think um, you had asked Alex about how to change um, the positivity or from the negative to the positive is honestly um, is going to be like the younger detailers coming up. If you can get the younger people to be more positive as the older ones are no yeah. longer in the industry, then that's how it's going to change. That's, and, that's, and a, good, said, that's a good point. You know, there are always going to be people that are just, you know, negative in general. Like there's always going to be those people. But um, in general, if we get more of like a new vibe going, then I think that could really spread throughout the community and through the 
Well, I, I think the I think the cool thing is, I mean, you go back to the beginning of our careers. We never, I never came across women that wanted to detail. I mean, we're in a completely different, cooler time where that's the case. Like, I'm, I'm glad we see more women wanting to detail. You know, we have several here in Las Vegas that that we see, uh, you know, running around in their vans in the mobile way. Uh, I don't know if anybody actually owns a shop. I couldn't tell you that, but I. I think it's great. And I, you know, it's unfortunate because I know that stuff goes on, but I don't think anybody that's smart in business cares one way or another about any of that. You know, so that's the thing is that if you see somebody that cares about that stuff, you got to run the opposite way. You know what I mean? Because nobody that's smart in business cares about any of that stuff. That's, that's the way I've always looked at it. Like if somebody's a great detailer, they are a great detailer, whatever their makeup may be. And, you know, it's unfortunate that stuff goes on, but I think it's idiotic to think it doesn't. It certainly does. Uh, but, I mean, you, you rewind the clock 20 plus years, I, we never had all of these different types of people in detailing. And I think that's one of the coolest things now is we do have so many different types of people with backgrounds from all kinds of different places. I mean, it, it's been unbelievable, but you're right. I mean, I, it's going to be what the younger generation sees and who they tie themselves in with. That's why Marty and I talk a lot about don't just go willy nilly pay for training, understand the company you're getting in bed with, understand the people you're getting in bed with. You're investing in those people because once you pay three grand to get into a, uh, you know, a company or a training protocol as a small business, you're going to fight tooth and nail to, to stay involved in that. Even if it's not the right thing for you because you paid three grand for it. So Marty, you and I have had that experience where people said, Hey, I'm getting out of this, or, you know, I got to bite the bullet, but it's two or three years too late. You know, they've already dumped a ton of time into it. I mean, we know guys all over the country in that position. So I, I, I think you're right. I, 20 years ago, we wouldn't have had this, but I think the fact that we have so many different types of people, I think that's a bonus. So anybody that doesn't see it that way, I think shouldn't be listened to. Yeah. And uh, so let's segue into some of the things that we learned today in training or heard today in training. Uh, one, I think was in particular, Alex, we talked about, you know, having to put on so many layers for certain types of products to get two years or three years. Uh, I know the other day in, in the training up at Mark's, there was a lot of push from detailers that were starting to go, you know, we're just not seeing that five to seven year anymore. They're not really knowing why they would even need to sell it. Um, so I kind of wanted to ask, you know, especially as mobile, you know, what, what you know, your shops are a little different, want your opinion. Uh, what are you guys seeing from customers on coatings? You know, are people still wanting to go, you know, massive ticket price? Or are you seeing that start to come down into being able to do more of that one, two, three year mark? Well, <clears throat> so that's one of the things that we talked about with Nick when he was on my podcast was, you know, is the, the high dollar coding price dead or, or coming down. Right. And, and we kind of, we kind of agreed that it is and it isn't. Um, you're still going to have people paying high dollar for the, for the work that's done. But like Nick has said on the podcast before, you're getting a lot of those one year and two year codings now because people just don't see the value in a four year plus coding. Um, you know, and, and it's the same way. I mean, like I, 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 I've talked about it on my podcast before. I, I, I tell everybody when I get phone calls, it's, it's usually two questions. Do you do ceramic coatings and then how much? And then the conversation either ends there or it goes into what's your availability, right? Like I never get, um, 
I never get what brand to use. I never get how many layers is it. I never really get years and years kind of usually falls into like how I'll package it. Right. So when they ask the, how much it's okay, well, we've got this one, this one, or this one, good, better, best, you know, whatever. So that's where I guess like they'll get their yearly information is by which package they choose. Um, but I don't get a lot of that questioning as far as like brands and layers and things like that. People just want to know, do you do it? How much is it worth it for them? Let's book an appointment. So it's pretty simple for me. Um, now I do know that there's other guys here locally that do get a lot of people asking about brands. They'll ask customers, they'll ask them about graphene, right? I've got a buddy who was like, man, I got to get a graphene coating. I'm like, you're stupid. Like, don't get a graphene coating, you know? And he's like, yeah, but I like, I'm losing out. And I'm like, well, I mean, I get it. You don't want to lose out on work, educate your clients on why you don't need a graphene client or graphene coating, but he just still felt like he needed it. So he grabbed one and that's fine. I got no, no, no issues with it. Um, but again, it's, it's just crazy. I mean, he's 30 miles away from me and that's like the difference in clientele that he gets people that are asking him brands and, and do you have graphene coding? Um, I've had two people ask me about graphene. They were both great clients. I just educated them to where they said, okay, never mind. I'll use your coding. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's sort of, that's sort of our thing, right? Marty, we say, if you're running a successful business and you are seen as the expert, you know, the reason guys get so far down the road of somebody's keeps pushing you on graphene and then makes you feel like you need graphene, you're not coming across as the expert. That's that simple. Part of sales is people got to call you and feel the confidence that you know what you're talking about. This goes much deeper than, you know, what you're going to learn from a coding brand, but this is the reality of running a business. If you're unsure on that phone call or you're unsure in person, it's going to come across to people and they're going to bully you into thinking they want a graphene coding. We get calls about graphene. I've gotten calls about graphene. I immediately just debunk graphene. Again, we're in April, 2021, because this is going to go on podcast. Graphene may turn out to be a great thing. It isn't today or May, 2021, excuse me. I was just going to let you go my with fault, it. You know, yeah, no, whatever. I, 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 we just flipped Vegas, over. But no. Vegas is a little behind us still, yeah, you know, just yeah, a little 100%. couple of days. So, but yeah, that, you know, the reason that Alex probably doesn't get that is, is that when people call him, he comes across as an expert. So he, he comes across that he knows what he's talking about. He's confident in his business. He's confident in the service he provides. And so if you're constantly being pushed and saying, I'm getting all these phone calls, well, your area doesn't see you as an expert. They just see you as somebody to call. And I don't get a lot of BS phone call phone calls anymore. I just don't. I get a lot of serious people. There are a lot of people that my business doesn't line up with, you know, Hey, that, you know, look, you can go find it this way or that way or whatever, but I don't get calls where it's like, somebody's going to stay on graphene for 10 minutes. Like once I explain to them, it's just not there as a technology, it's pretty much accepted. And so I would say if you're getting those kind of phone calls, one thing that we can tell you is your sales on the phone probably has to be buttoned up a little bit. Oh, good point. Good point. Or marketing, maybe marketing uh, too, like yep. uh, getting the marketing out there a little bit better, uh, letting people know before they actually call in what you have, what services you have. Uh, definitely a great point. All right, Sam, uh, when you are mobile, right? Uh, what have customers been saying about coatings? What are they looking for? You know, 
uh, or is it, do you just put it into a maintenance and you want to make sure that they're maintained? I will want you to say, I just, just for my own personal, I just loved it. She said she had one of the best comments earlier about CC 105, uh, which is now Trey. Uh, so I definitely on the spot four years ago. And what was that? Okay. Um, well, I'm not really mobile, but, um, I'm sorry. I thought you were mobile. It's cool. Um, no, but I was telling them I did a vet a couple of years ago when I was first testing out CC 105 and we're like, I'm, we're in this together. So I'm trying it. You're trying it. We're trying it together. And since doing it, I haven't done a topper. I haven't done any real maintenance besides just a basic wash in the time period that he's having it and it's still holding up really nicely. So, I mean, as far as coatings, honestly, I think Alex is hundred percent right. Like no one really cares about those longevity as like five, seven years, because most people don't even keep their car that long. Anyways, most people are leasing. And if they're not leasing, they're turning it in before the five-year mark because the mileage is getting higher and they want to get the most back to get a newer car. So why would I want to put something on there for a 10 year, or I've heard clients say, Oh, I'm going, you know, to this person to go get, um, what they say a lifetime coding. Yeah. And I had to hold the laugh in a little bit, you know, cause it would be disrespectful, but I'm like yeah. lifetime coding. You say, okay, that's <laughs> nice. You know what I mean? That's how I kind of handle it because I'm like, yeah. why would you do that? Or why would you want to sell something like that? I feel it's deceptive. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because I don't think there's anything that's lifetime coding, uh, in my opinion, humble opinion, of course. I'm a novice, so don't quote me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think there's a lot of people in the industry that have begun to wake up to that, right? Uh, we're even hearing where, uh, you know, like we talked about earlier, right? That you can have this lifetime, you know, this big long, and then coding companies are just changing the formula, just throwing graphene suddenly into it. And so what happened to the formula that they had before that they were selling you? There was a lifetime, right? Just the, the whole concept of that big, huge ticket and that big, like it made sense for them going into our industry at such a hot time. It was the best way for them to grow their business. Was it the best for detailers? I think now we're starting to see that answer uh, unfold as no, right? Like absolutely not. Well, and the other thing that I think too is, especially with the the longer longevity coatings, right, is most clients, they want it on their car new, right? Because it's their baby. Like I got to get a ceramic coating. It's going to take care of it. I'm full in. But by year two, two and a half, like, man, I don't have the time to hand wash it. I'm running it through the car wash. It's more convenient. Like I'm doing this. I'm so... I don't necessarily think anything longer than a two to three year coding is, is going to work, right? Because the client is going to give up at that two to three year mark. So if you're putting a five year, seven year, nine year lifetime on it or whatever, the client more than likely is going to give up on it before you ever get there. And then it's going to be your, your, your coding didn't hold up. My car looks like garbage blah, 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 blah. You're, you're the best or you're, you're not good. You're, you're terrible. Um, so that's what I see. So that's why I typically try to stick to a two year or a three year ish plus. And again, depending on how long they take care of it. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's, budget. That's, yeah. That's been my point. Yeah. yeah budget I agree. makes a huge difference because not everyone wants to spend an arm and a leg to coat their car. 
Um, because the truth is now that they've learned the truth that like coatings are not bulletproof and like you do have to maintain the car afterwards. They're like, oh, so I do <laughs> have to do something after this. And I still got to pay you to do that something after this. Yeah. You know, it works into their budget. Not everyone has the money to spend that much. They do want it to look nice. But when you have budget friendly option, I think you're more likely to convince the customer of why getting a coating versus a basic wax is a good decision. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think we just heard from two detailers, the reality, right? Like the reality becomes, and this is why I got away from five-year coatings very quickly, Marty. And I told you this was, I didn't think the end, end user experience was great. So I, I just didn't believe in it. And I put on hundreds of them, but I would see water spotting. Then we would have to do like a light polish. And then how much coating did I leave behind? Then I had to put this water spray on top of it or Maybe the water spots didn't come off and now I'm taking the whole door down and having to reapply. And it's like, at some point, you know, year two and a half on, this becomes a big headache. And so I've told everybody that'll listen, if you live in that jeweling polish and one year coating application, you can make a lot of money and you'll have a lot of really happy clients. I mean, because at the end of the day, man, I think Alex hit on, I think all of us have seen this guy, you know, your customer just doesn't want to do all this. They just kind of want an easy experience and you can give it to them with ceramic. So you can give them that ceramic pop with the one or two year coating and then just reapply, you know, you know, do it if they do keep their car or they just go get something new and you just provide the same simple service. We just overthought the service. That's all. And, and at this point in time, I think we are seeing people wake up to that. Right. And, and the other thing too, Nick, that you made, you know, a good point with that, where if you just do a one-year coating, you know, do a nice little pop on it, throw a one-year coating on it, you potentially over a four or five year period of time can make more money off of that client doing one year, right? And then the other thing too, is by doing a quick polish, a one year coating, especially if you're doing something like Uno, where it's a single layer application, um, you know, even if you keep the car overnight, you're doing it in one day, right? Like the car we did today, it's, it's done, the client will pick it up tomorrow. But now I'm not sitting on a car being in my shop for three days because I got to do this crazy massive paint correction and multiple layer ceramic job. We did, you know, it was a brand new car. We did a light polish on it. We threw, um, well, we actually threw a dose on it. Um, but still it's yeah. one layer and it's done, you know, one day. Now I can book something for tomorrow. I can book something for Wednesday and I'm yep. not tied up on this one car trying to yep. make a week's worth of money because that's what I would have to do. I can do a more affordable budget for that client. It's huge money for one day's worth of work for me. And then I still have the rest of the week to book up enough stuff to make my week even better. So Marty, uh, let's, let's kind of give a helpful tip on a package here, right? A lot of guys do packages. A lot of companies do packages. Let's talk about it. We, Marty, you know, this as a company, we've put on like 10 or 15 coatings in the last few weeks. Um, this is our busy time getting ready for the summer. So let's say you have uh, a, a midsize SUV. Okay. And you want to, you know, you're hearing everybody talk right now about ceramic coatings on this podcast. So let's, let's realize what we mean. 
if you have to do a multi-layer system, you're not going to be able to offer the package I'm about to bring up. You could simply do a one-step correction. Let's say you get around the car in somewhere between three and a half and four and a half hours, depending on your efficiency as a company. You have an hour application of the wax, or excuse me, of the ceramic coating. And guess what? You got five hours, five and a half hours into the car, and all of a sudden, it's realistic in most cities that you're getting somewhere between $4.99 and $6.99 for that package. You didn't have, you know, 12 hours into that. Okay. And maybe somebody's going to say this and say, well, I can't charge $4.99. Okay. Well, if you charge $400 for that, it's still good money. But most people are going to get between $4.99 and $6.99 for that package. Think about that kind of money. The coating's not hyper expensive. The coating's not tough on your team. That polishing's not tough on your team. It's pretty enjoyable work. And, and that's where you can see a lot of growth. And I just think people have glossed over that. But, you know, if you average that out, a lot of people can make 100, plus, 100 bucks an hour for their shop and really grow a nice little business. So to kind of bring it into the real world of what Alex and, and everyone's been saying here, that, that's real money that people just don't think exists, but it absolutely exists in that one year, even two year coding business. It, it, it's, it's a really nice thing to think it, it gets some real numbers to that. All right. I'm going to move over to Jackie, who I guess is our only mobile. Once again, sorry, Sam, I thought you were mobile. Um, Jackie, I know you made a comment today uh, about, you know, it's been hard to do coatings out because you haven't known of any, right? That are mobile friendly. So walk me through that experience of trying to go through, trying to find a mobile. Uh, have you been able to do, you know, and look around and find anything where your customers actually ever, you know, interested? How did that go as a mobile detailer? Um, well, first of all, um, I mean, I've been in business for two years um, and I have not decided on a coding um, and for the reasons like it, that it's an investment. And so I've had mentors that have used um, the uh, OptiCoat, Ceramic Pro, IGL and SV3 among like others. And I'm just like comparing them like, um, you know, which one, like, well, this one has this benefits, I don't know. And so I haven't gotten into ceramic coatings for that reason. Um, and when I heard that, uh, your product was, you know, mobile friendly, I was like, well, sure, okay. Um, let's try this out. Cause then maybe if that's something that I don't have to buy into, it's something that I can do, uh, in the customer's garage easily, or, you know, even you mentioned even like in shade, um, not, not in full sun, but like, you know, at least a shaded area, um, then that would be something that I could actually do. Um, whereas I haven't done like, I don't do coatings mobile. Like I, I've teamed up with another detailer, um, or two other detailers a handful of times and we've done them in client's garage, but that's like, I mean, in the two years I've done like maybe five coatings. Like it's just not something that I've done because it's not, not easy in my opinion. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. Like, and I said that in, in the training class too, like the industry just hasn't been directed towards mobile detailers, right? You, you literally couldn't with many of those brands that you mentioned, you literally just couldn't even do it mobile. It, it wasn't even practical. Like you couldn't even use the product in a mobile setting. 
even, even oh, sorry. No, I just want to say, which is kind of interesting, right? Because I think if there's one thing the pandemic has taught us is being able to pivot. And I find that our society has slowly been etching towards convenience. And I think mobile is going to become way more dominant than the use of a shop. So it just makes sense that we have more mobile friendly stuff because even I was saying like, my, I have clients, but they wish I could come to them because it's more convenient. And in the society we're in, it's about time is money and I got to work and I have the kids and I have this. If you can come to me, I'll use you. If you can't, I got to move on to someone else because that's just where our society is going. Our generation does not like to come out to you. They like convenience. That's why Uber Eats, you know, Lyft, all these companies are doing so amazing. Amazon, because it comes to you and you don't have to go to it. So it, you know, like it would make sense. I don't know. Just a thought. That's look, that's uh, she's speaking my language. I, I was I mean, trying that's... to beat. I was trying to beat to <laughs> Nick and be like, Nick, no, no. I mean, like, Sam and Nick are on like the same wavelength. Yeah, I think that's a hundred percent. I mean, at 10 years ago, I started mobile because I asked my clients what they wanted. I don't know how many detailers do that, but I did it because an investment in a shop is expensive. So I said, what would you guys want? I'd like to not go to a shop. Okay. Questions answered. And now 10 years on, it's only worse. If I was a shop, I would, you know, have probably some of the collector collections I take care of. It wouldn't be possible. So I, I think that, you know, and just so everybody knows all of our codings I put on mobile. So that's, that's the good thing here is that, not only does it work in a shop, I mean, because a shop is much easier to apply a coding, but all of our codings are mobile friendly. And that's the only business I have. I don't have a, I don't even have like a shop where my trucks go. Uh, you know, my guys take the trucks home. So, you know, I'm completely mobile. I have no, no shop space at all. And yeah, I, I think that's where we're headed. I mean, and again, it's not on us. It's what the world wants. I mean, it's what the world's being taught. Convenience, convenience, convenience. And look, are you going to be able to do PPF and, and all that kind of stuff? There's always going to be a need for the shop business, but codings don't have to be done in a shop if they're formulated properly, which is a, is a puzzle we've solved. So I put them all on mobile. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go over to Alex and let him be the shop guy to defend his shop. But <laughs> but before I do, uh, Jackie said something, and I was trying to get what was it that it was a hard time to do all those coatings? Because why? Oh, because like a lot of them have layers, like and so you just like you have to do. Let, oh, sorry. Well, you took my thing earlier. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like they have layers, and like I don't have time to do all that. Like I've got multiple clients, and now I've got to sit here and like like wait or like i, I don't know just like, and remember you whatever. have to charge your client for that time yep. you have to charge them for the dead time so it's not fair to them it's inefficient and this is what we're talking about efficiency was what leads your business to grow so any inefficiency that's out of your control like multi-layer coding or things like that you're just having to pass that cost on and so you may lose three people a month because you're $200 outside of their price range of what they were thinking of spending. So anytime you can boil your price down to something that more people can afford, I mean, it just makes sense. And when you have wait time, you got to be compensated for that as a business. And guess what? Nobody wins. You as a business don't win and the customer doesn't win when that happens. And that, that's a big thing. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was going to say. Right. I mean, like the biggest thing with most of the coatings is it's hard to do mobile because you have to do that multiple layers. You have to wait a certain amount of time in between. And that's where I always found it weird that mobile guys would try to do coatings mobily. Right. Because, 
you know, if you're doing it, if you're doing it paint correction and you're do it's a multiple day job, you're running back and forth to a client's house. Whereas like with your guys's coatings being a single layer and there are other single layers out there, but not many that's is more mobile friendly because you could go and do a quick one step or a, or a hyper polish where you're doing a quick compound, doing a quick polish um, and then throwing on a single layer of coating even if you don't get done till six or seven o'clock at night, you're done that day. You don't have to inconvenience the client to come back the next day. Um, so I get that as far as defending my shop. So I will defend my shop that, that it's going to be real tough for me to go mobile because of my overhead. I pay $391 a month for my shop. I can't beat that. Oh, I mean, that's, that's a great I, deal. I can't, I can't, I can't, that's, that's cheaper than a, than a van payment. If I were to buy 100%. a van. Yeah. 100%. So, so I'm going to defend my shop with just because my overhead solo and, and two, I, I'm one of those people that, and again, you know, I get it when you're set up mobile, you've got a van um, and you've got all your stuff in there. Whereas for me, it's tough because if somebody wants me to come to their client's house, you know, to their house, like I've got a buddy that when he bought a 488, you know, he's like, dude, I really don't want to leave it at your shop. I want to, can you just do it here? And it's like, okay, yeah. Cause I'm not going to turn down money. But when you start trying to make that checklist and you're throwing everything in the car to take over there and you get, 15, 20 minutes down the road and you're like, dang it, I forgot this one crucial important thing. Now I have to stop and drive all the way back to the shop to grab this one thing that I forgot. So for me, that's one reason why mobile doesn't work for me. I'm just not set up that way. Yeah. Um, I like having the lights in my shop. I like having everything right there that I can do the job to the ability that I can do it. And I don't, have to worry about you know did i not have enough light because i'm outside underneath a canopy it started raining i mean that's one of the things jackie and i have talked about before you know she'll send me a text message where she's sitting inside her van and it's you know typical three o'clock thunderstorm and she's like i was halfway through guess i'm waiting now you know so <laughs> meanwhile i can send her a picture of me still working in my shop so yeah. there are, there are positives and negatives. I feel to both sides. 100%. I just, I just, the clientele that I deal with are fine with coming to me. Um, it's more of the higher end side of detailing where I just prefer to do that type of work in a shop. All right. But however, Nick, I will say that Alex does do what we recommend. Uh, and he does maintain customers and he does have a mobile that goes out and services those customers in a mobile setting. So, yeah, we're, you know, we're that, hybrid guys. Mm -hmm. So that we love the hybrid, the hybrid model uh, all the time. Definitely. So uh, we'll hop off. Thanks so much uh, for y'all coming. Uh, thanks for coming out and checking out uh, what we were doing today and uh, learning. And uh, Alex, thanks for opening up your shop, not only your shop, but opening up your home uh, inside Casa de Alex. Uh, we <laughs> took over his recording studio and uh, we are recording out of his studio today. So much love, Alex. Thanks so much. Thanks, for, Alex. Uh, I appreciate for, it, man. For doing that. Uh, closing thoughts, Nick, and uh, I'll throw out my closing thoughts. Go ahead. Uh, I, I think I hadn't given enough thought of, of what maybe 
women detailers are going through. I think that's one thing from today is that, I, you know, because I don't think about that kind of stuff. I just think about who's the best detailer or who needs help or who reaches out or I just don't see that stuff to be completely honest. If somebody wants to learn about detailing or needs help, like I just help them. I don't care about any of that stuff. So I guess I didn't realize that, that, I mean, it was just ignorance, I guess, on my part. And, you know, because I, I just don't have that, you know, it's whatever to me. I just, you know, if you're cool and need help or I can help call. And so I, I do hope that we get more inclusive and, you know, get some of the jerkiness out of it, you know, because, and again, we said this on Alex's podcast as well, like the click shit's got to stop. It's got to stop. It's not helping anybody. You know, some things were said today. I think some people are responsible for that nature, um, but it is what it is. You know, we got to get out of that. And, and I think that's what I take away from this conversation, you know, about our codings. Look, man, mobile shop, it's easy to apply. It works. You, you know, we, you, heard, you heard Sam say, right, you know, she's got a Corvette after four years that looks unbelievable. Um, so if you're mobile or you're just worried about all the coding nonsense, we got the coding for you. And the trainings this week have kind of proved that we've had a lot of people come out, different locations, people are starting to see the change. And, and hopefully we can be a part of that. So that's where I would kind of leave it. Yeah, man. Uh, I with regards to the negativity in the industry, I don't see how that ever changes. Because I don't think society will ever change away from negative. I don't think people will ever change away from negative. There's so many Nick, you and I talk about this, right? It could be the way somebody's raised could be the way they were made, right? They just might have that in them. And if they can go into a keyboard and start punching away, they're happy as can be to do it. I think the lesson to be learned in my theory would be, hey, if you're a business owner, if you're an operator, the fuck do you care? Like stick your head down, keep in your own lane, like stay pushing out what you do. Uh, I love Gary V talks about instead of tearing, if you want to be the biggest building in town, instead of tearing down the other buildings, just make yours the biggest building, right? Like I think the way to change the industry and change the negative is put out as much positive and put out as much of just you that you can, right? What you believe and why you believe that way. And it will eventually turn that tide of negativity. But if it doesn't, hey, all good. You've put out so much great information. What did it do for your business? Well, it would have skyrocketed because the more energy you put out, the more positivity you put out, the more it returns to you. It's a principle of sowing and reaping, right? It's, it's the same concept. So uh, I, I took that big and then I loved it when Jackie said it in training. And that's why I mentioned it earlier, because, you know, I've said it over the years, like as a mobile detailer, it's been so hard with brands to use products in a mobile setting and there's companies and the way the industry has been, it was pushed in such a direction away from mobile, right? Away from maintenance, away from all that we've been in the industry and just hit them over the head, get a big ticket while you can. Whereas all along the mobile and the maintenance continuing to grow, grow, grow is the steady, slow way. And I'm excited that, Hey, you've now got product that you can use in a mobile setting. So uh, I think you as the other mobile detailers that have began to join, you're going to see a big uptick and I'm excited to hear about your feedback. So thank you again for guys coming on. Thanks for your time today. And uh, Nick, thanks as always, man. Uh, thanks everyone. We'll, we'll see you soon. All right.
Episode over. Leave us a review and we will see you on the Community Pub Wednesday nights at 7.30 Central. The Zoom meeting ID is 918-800-1188. That's the Community Pub Wednesday nights, 7.30 Central. The Zoom meeting ID is 918-800-1188. Grab a pint and enjoy.